You've hit play on the Screen Companion, a show about making your viewing time count. We're talking about Doom Patrol. I've already seen the pilot in the whole first season already. I've been trying to get you, Stacy, to watch it for the last couple months. We just finished watching the pilot together. Let's start with comic adaptations in general, because whether you know it or not, this is based on a DC comic. It came out in the early 60s, and I believe actually predates X-Men. So when you say that this feels like a ripoff a little bit as far as Niles Calder, the chief character, being sort of a ripoff of Professor X in a wheelchair, well, these guys, I think, came out maybe a couple months before the X-Men. Kind of a superficial similarity, but if anybody ripped anything off, you would say Marvel ripped these guys off. Doom Patrol. It's pretty much all set up for the pilot episode. We have Cliff, who is a race car driver, late 80s, uh, played by Brendan Fraser. He dies in an accident. And then it kind of turns into RoboCop for the first act, where we only see from his POV, he's basically a brain in a jar, and then eventually in like a helmet or something, a robot head, and they're slowly tweaking him, having him uh, remember who he is, easing him into the fact that he's a robot. But as you're watching it, do any other shows or movies kind of pop into your head as far as what it sort of feels like? I'm trying to think. With that first-person point of view? No, no. I'm just more just like, how is he going to react? Like, what actually happened? Because, you know, the scene is like, we're showing him racing, he's driving, and it seems to get into an accident, and it cuts off. Yeah, I'm actually just throwing it to his point of view. Like, you're in the hospital, but not really a hospital. No idea. You might be in a psych ward. I don't know. You're just lost. They do a good job of stringing you along, giving you little revelations. Because there's basically no action in this first episode. It's all character development. It could be pretty boring if handled a different way. But because they're all oddballs living in this house together... Besides Cliff, we have an actress, Rita, from the 50s, who suffers some accident, and now she can turn into a blob person. We know that she has trouble controlling it. She's like Mr. Fantastic if if he couldn't control his power. Yeah, but that's the thing. It kind of feels like, to me, me it kind of reflects like your inner personality at the time when the incident happened. It's like... Exactly. She was, uh... She had prejudices... And you can't tell if she's prejudiced against people that just look different because she has a problem with a guy on one of her film sets who is missing a limb. But he's also black, and it's shot in Africa with a largely black production team working the cameras and being production assistants. And I kind of wonder, like, does she have a problem with the guy because he's missing half his arm? Or is there that racial component? Because she was a star of the 50s, and I guess this 
weird thing happened to her in the 60s. Uh, so yeah, she could just be ugly on the inside, and the accident brings out the ugliness. Whoa, worst <laughs> part. Oh, my God. Yeah, pretty oh. gross. And then we have the guy that is all bandaged up, Larry, the test pilot. I still got no idea what's up with Larry. Like, what is he? What does he do? He like... Like, what his power is? His power and just, like... I don't know, like, overall, like, Larry's story is still, it's still in the air to me, you know? It's just, it's just Larry, like, you haven't explained it enough yet. He's just, I'm gonna put him to the side. Yeah, he, he looks like the Invisible Man all bandaged up, but then he's got some kind of energy being inside of him that he picked up during a test flight in the upper atmosphere. Did you pick up on... The homosexual aspect of it oh, before yeah. they revealed it. As they're approaching, you kind of like get like a sense of like, but you got to think like this is back in the day, military, anything goes, you know, any rules fly. Like the way they're driving the vehicles, the way they're riding on top, that's fine, it's okay. But when it comes down to it, and like they finally reveal it, you're like, oh, it's, oh that's why, okay. Not a bad thing, it's just, it's like, oh. Do I care? Not really, but you know what? Okay, toss in the story. But Larry cares. When they go into town, Larry wants to recede into the background, it feels like. He doesn't like people looking at him. One reason is the obvious, that he looks weird all bandaged up, but also it might be because he's dealing with those issues from the 60s. All these characters, none of them age. Which is convenient for the story. Very weird, but yeah, convenient. But because they're all weirdos and and they haven't really explained how they got their powers or what about their powers helped them live so long, like Cliff, the robot man, that makes sense. He's just a brain, so his body can be metal and except for maybe rust, he doesn't have to worry about aging. But everybody else, they find interesting ways to justify it like rita if she's a blob person then that blob you just figure doesn't really age yeah and larry that energy thing inside of him I, that's the thing i don't know is, is the energy being is like his body's aging at least it's got to it feels like and it's dirty now the gross i don't want to sit next to that well you gotta imagine he changes those bandages no way, those things are glued to him. Fused. <laughs> Part of his body. Because they all live at this doom manor together. But they, uh, they have, I guess, sort of a hospital wing basement thing going on. Because Niles Calder, the chief, the guy in the wheelchair, played by Timothy Dalton, he's doing his mad science experiments on Cliff as the robot man. They must have a workshop down there, a way to fix people's boo-boos or, or rewrap Larry when he needs to be wrapped. The only time we see him is right after the accident during his test flight. He's all well, burned up. Minutes to put him out? <laughs> <laughs> well, they were all freaked out by the fact that he just fell like a weight straight to the earth, and he survived, and they saw him walking from the blaze. I don't care, though. My man's on fire. He's literally burning and still walking. 
And it's like, wow. We're going to watch him burn until he puts himself out, guys. So you're saying their training should have kicked in and should have hopped too yeah. and put him out? It really should have. And then gawked at his smoldering body. Yes. After yes. they put him out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, have a little professional decency. Yeah. What feels fresh about this show to you versus other comic stuff? I have to say the narrator. Just the simplest thing. The jokes he cracks, the attitude he takes, and the fact that like everything that's going on, he's still talking to you in a way that's just like it hasn't been done before, you know? Like he's addressing what's going on in the audience and just blending it together with like a nice flow and just keeps the show going. When it gets a little gloomy and depressing because it's all these characters dealing with their problems. He'll chime in and cop to the fact that, you know, it's, it's not so cheery and funny at that particular moment and just helps ease the audience's concerns. Because without him, you might be worried that, oh, is this just going to turn into a bunch of sad people for the rest of the episode? But it doesn't because he's there to let you know, no, this will pass and then we'll get to bigger stuff. And by the end of it, with a, a donkey flatulating. <laughs> just, oh my God, that was weird. <laughs> and what's really weird is that in the last act, Niles Calder tells everybody that they need to get out of Dodge. They took an impromptu trip to town and revealed themselves to some extent, and they've caused problems, and the bad guy has found them and they need to leave. Up to that point, Besides the narrator, who we know is kind of a villain, but we don't know how he relates to our main characters. Really, the only sense we have of a villain that Niles wants to get away from is the donkey in the pictures. (laughs) So it's implied that he's afraid of the donkey until the very end where the bad guy, Mr. Nobody, is what he's called, shows up on the short bus with Niles as the other characters are confronting the donkey. And he basically reveals himself that, yes, he is the bad guy, the narrator we've been listening to. And then just suddenly a black hole shows up on Main Street, and that's what our characters are supposed to deal with. These guys who, if it was Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, if the Justice League was there, you would think, oh, how are they going to deal with it? They're going to take care of this. They're superheroes. But our main characters, they're just... They're weirdos with problems. I don't know. Didn't you feel a bit like, how are they going to deal with this? They can't deal with a straight. <laughs> I don't expect them to succeed ever in beating anything, honestly. Like, that setup is like, well, this was a good show. This is a pilot, but it's going to end pretty quick. Everybody's got to die. They do <laughs> fail a lot. In the subsequent episodes in the first season. Yes. If you like the way the tone is in the first episode, you get more of that. Ooh. It's not one of those fake-outs where the pilot is one thing and then the rest of the show is totally different or doesn't live up to the promise of what they establish. It's really Cliff's episode because we really delve into his backstory. But then other episodes in the season really get into Larry's story, Rita's story, Jane, 
the girl with multiple personalities, and unique powers per personality. Wait, what? Yeah, you don't quite catch on to it in the pilot. Like, she kind of flames on and turns into a, a giant for a split second. Johnny Blaze? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's, that's only for that split second. But in other episodes, she's other personalities, and each personality has a distinct power. Like Whoa. super strength or teleportation, all these things come into play. But the rub is her personalities can switch like that, and then her powers switch with it. So very unpredictable. She's probably the most powerful of them, but she's not reliable. She'll change Dang. on a dime. And some of her personalities are straight up Frady Cats or really combative and not team players. How many personalities does she have then? Like, wow, this is like... I think they said over 60 distinct personalities. Whoa. We see at least a dozen of them as the first season progresses. That's crazy, because we've only been introduced to what, to like the first three, maybe? We've got Jane, ostensibly the main personality. Hammerhead, this really aggressive chick. Hangman's daughter, which was... And they, she changes subtly depending on her personality. Yeah, but so I like, like how they did like a quick little flash, if you catch it. Like a little switch, you see everything just go fuzzy only on her. You know? No one else gets the static or anything like that. It's just her. And then someone different. I think this show has flown under the radar for a lot of people that like comics because it's not one of the top tier like Justice League. You know, it's not Green Lantern or Flash even who are like second tier characters. It's not even Swamp Thing. I think more people know about Swamp Thing. which is I actually know a Swamp Thing. I never watched it though. I never watched it. But at least you know the gist of Swamp Thing. Like you have an image in your mind, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah just this big green thing with kind of a freaky face because yeah, it's just all swampy strange, gross. Huge and buff, but not really. People kind of know Teen Titans. Yeah. But Doom Patrol, I had heard the name, but I had never read any of the books. But it's like a double-edged sword. Do you think it helped it or hurt it in the long run that it wasn't a bigger property? Initially, I want to say it hurts it. It really hurts it, you know? Because you ain't getting as many viewers. Not much money's going to come in, you know? But I guess over time, like, as people kind of wind down from seeing all the superhero stuff, it's like, okay, I need something different. I want something different. I want something to change a little bit. I guess it'll help it. Because right now, even I'm like, Wow, that's actually a really good show. I, I get behind it. What aspects of it do you find it so appealing or, or possibly fresh from other comic stuff? What do you think about this is so special? I'd say just the approach. Our approach. Like, we've seen everybody at the lowest from the very beginning and the worst, the worst positions possible. Like, it's just, it's new. You don't see someone like, Batman, he's already got the money, he's got his suit, he's good to go. Well, Superman, he's already grown up, he knows his powers, he's ready to go. Everybody's giving it to us, fresh off the line, ready to fight, and these guys aren't. So it's going to make a good story. Like, I feel like this is something nice. And they're so fresh in being a team 
I mean, it's really more they just live together in a house. It's it's a bit like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest mixed with The Breakfast Club. These disparate people brought together, they share a place, they kind of hang out, but they don't necessarily want to be there. But they're joined together in being freaks. I've heard of people saying... They don't necessarily need these guys to ever feel like a fully functioning superhero team. That it's their mistakes and being off-putting that is really the crux of the show. So never lose that. Never make them glossy or let them end up being a team. But for those people that would like that, you really get the sense with how slow it's going just by the first episode. That even if they do end up like that in the future... It's going to take some seasons. I wonder if they'll mention any other superheroes, like proper superheroes, because that's what makes them so unique. But see, see, talk about A-listers, how would you rate these guys? Would they be like C, D, or would you kind of just like... Oh, they're D. I would say they're D. They're D? Okay, so they're not not the bottom, bottom of the barrel, you know? They're not... They all have potential in this first episode. If you were to say any criticisms, is there anything you can think of? Our doctor, who's handicapped, packs a suitcase somehow. (laughs) You and the suitcase, man. There's so many other things to not be able to suspend your disbelief. But the idea that this guy could have a suitcase packed and ready on the back of his wheelchair, that is what concerns you and that you can't quite get over? I can't, because who helped him pack it? He just <laughs> wheels in and tells everybody, well, I gotta go somewhere, everybody. I'll be gone for a couple of days. Peace is out, and you see the big bag, like a six-foot-tall bag almost, sitting on the back of his wheelchair, just <laughs> strapped in, barely holding on. And this man has no problem doing this stuff. Like, you just, you can't explain this to me. You can't, can't explain that away. That's just... I think this is a case of the rest of the show is firing on all cylinders. It's doing a great job slowly introducing these characters, making them feel human. That then you have to look really hard and just pick apart something so that you can say it's, it's got some issue it needs to resolve. Such as how a handicapped man packs his luggage. (laughs) Yes, yes. Pretty self-explanatory to me. I think the one criticism that I can think of right now would be... It throws a lot of ideas at you at once in just roughly an hour pilot. And it does it in in a very convenient way of using the narrator to quickly get you into these other stories. Because we start with Cliff, I feel pretty organically, because we see him before the accident, and we're really invested in him, kind of like with RoboCop, when he's first being turned into the robot and dealing with his humanity and, and not being able to walk up some steps because he doesn't know how to properly use his new body. But then how do we get into the other stories of the characters that live at the house? The narrator jumps to their flashbacks and the narrator just kind of conveniently goes into it and tells you what you need to know. It felt a little bit by the numbers. Here's 
A, B, C, D, we're going through the list. It would have been nice if maybe we saw Larry, and he's such a recluse that we just see him in the hallways, but he still hasn't really talked to Cliff until maybe the second decade that he's there. I'm a little incredulous as to how they could mope for 30 years. And for Larry and Rita, they've moped at the manor even longer. Yeah, well, Rita's technically, what, the first one, right? Because she was there in, what, like, 48 to 50s? Her career was in the 50s, early 60s. And I think they say that her last movie that she was recast happened in, like, the mid to late 60s. Larry was about the same time, which is funny because they both look like B-movie uh, <laughs> bad guys. And would explain why they can't, I kind of get like the brother-sister vibe kind of from them, Larry and Rita, you know? She speaks up for Larry once or twice when they're having a vote on what to do. But that felt, they moved it along at a very brisk pace as far as setting everybody up. And this show, after watching the first season, I can tell you it does take its time. It'll tell you things, it'll reveal things, but it doesn't do it too quickly. So I don't quite understand why they need to set all, like, five, almost five characters, because the chief, the guy in the wheelchair, we don't quite know much about him. We didn't see his background. Or Crazy Jane. We didn't see how she got her abilities or why she has multiple personalities. So, okay, I, I take it back a little bit. They didn't totally set everybody up. But I wish it had been more organic with Rita and Larry. I'm poor, like, just a little sip. Just a shot. A shot each, you know? Well, Cliff, you get the full beer. Are there any comic books that you would like to see adapted into live-action shows? I have to say, a live-action Wolverine. But this time with all the blood, all the guts, all the gore, I want him from day one with no powers to the end when he dies. So, a bit like Logan, that movie? Yes, yes. As far as no holds barred, let's see this guy tearing up people, sticking his claws into people's brains. I want to see him become... A brutal killer. Like, I want to see how this man, who seemed like a nice kid, he can grow claws, yeah? The bone doesn't matter. But how's it become, like, special forces and all this other crazy stuff? What happens to him? Well, really, what you're saying is, is take all the X-Men movies he was in, along with his solo movies, especially X-Men Origins Wolverine, <laughs> and just redo it and start it with the tone of Logan instead of ending it the way they did with his movies. With that ultra-real, gritty, gory stuff. Start with it. Yeah, yeah. That's perfect, actually. That would be good. And it would fit in today's landscape of more mature material. Like this, I love what this show does as far as I don't think kids would really like it because it's a slow burn. There isn't a lot of action. Yeah, there's some bad words thrown around. You see a booby here or there. But it's largely about mature ideas of people struggling with themselves, 
having issues, and except for once or twice, we see them use their abilities. It could just be people at a mental institution dealing with these problems. Yeah, I like that though. That's actually that's a good change. That's a nice change, a nice twist to it. Huh? In recommending it, what would you say? Just off the pilot, the show looks really good. It's something I would actually take the time to watch, you know? It wouldn't be like a watch with the girlfriend or the family or something like that, because they probably might not get behind it. It'd be like a little too advanced for them. But for you to sit down, you want to unwind, enjoy, definitely watch. It doesn't maintain the highs emotionally that you would want if you're watching with a group of people. This is more introspective. Because I think we've all experienced some of the fears oh, definitely. of these characters. Like, these characters are truly relatable. Like, oh, I've, I've been there. I, I know that pain, you know? Turn down the lights, watch it by yourself, <laughs> and just get immersed in it. Uh, I love the music in this. Did you like the score? Oh, yeah. The intro was like, at first, like, okay, the music's good. And then you start seeing the opening credits. Uh, this is... This isn't superhero. This is kind of dark. This is like, oh. It has that synth music that is very popular right now. It kind of feels like Stranger Things. And for a split second, it feels like, oh, is this just riding the wave of that nostalgia stuff? But no, actually, it, it has a flavor to it that fits with the rest of the show. And that style of synth music where it gets very emotional with just a few beats, a few notes. It uses that style of music to its advantage instead of just being a throwback to older stuff. Definitely does. A new segment I'm doing. TLDL. Too long, didn't listen. So let's say somebody realizes, I don't want to listen to all that. I just want to know, should I watch Doom Patrol? People might be seeing this scrolling by on HBO Max, and they're saying, should I give it a shot? So I'm going to ask you some questions. Either I want a yes, no, or an adjective. One-word responses. Ooh, okay. Okay. One word. Okay. If you do like the more traditional comic stuff, like Supergirl, Green Arrow... Do you think there's any room in people's diets who really like that material that does have a bit more pop and flash? Do you think they can like this too? If you stick it out. Those are too many words. Too many words? Okay. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> you cheated, but fine. That's a one-word response. I'll take it. Is this show, with its portrayal of maybe mental illness to some extent, definitely people with problems. Do you think it would have been as compelling, just as a pilot, if they didn't have superpowers? No. Ooh, okay. We're not going to get too much into it because we're past that part of the show, but it sounds like that little bit of sci-fi super stuff that goes on, their powers. A little, a little extra, a little, that little spice. Huh? Seasons it just right and puts a little spin on it so it doesn't just come off like a ABC drama. Yes. 
between Rita and Crazy Jane, who would you sleep with? Not Rita. (laughs) (laughs) Even if it's like some man-hating alternate personality for Jane, you would test your luck with that person, not knowing what their power might be. It could be to make your balls fall off. See, when you put it like that, definitely not Rita. Rita just, what she turns into, man, oh, that, that hurts, that hurts my soul. <laughs> what if I could guarantee that she wasn't going to blob out on top of you? I still take my chances. I want to gamble. I want to gamble. Because her introduction was like, she was tough, she was mean, but she wasn't like too crazy. You know? She didn't want to back off a cliff. Cliff, if you had real balls, should have done that. It'd been over. He probably would have punched her. Should have done powers or something. You know, it'd been a big fight. Well, how about for the male characters? If you were forced to swing that way, would you go the robot man, the guy in the wheelchair, or the guy all bandaged up? (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Well. (laughs) I'm going to go with the bandaged guy because... Well, Larry's already gay, so he's got experience in that realm that I don't have. But because he's all wrapped up in bandages, he looks like a dude that would really practice safe sex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) 